He drops him back. That song is free on artlist.io. Uh, it's not a, an ad for them, but I do love their their free music. Uh, welcome back to Blitz Boys. It's time for another episode. Uh, you have to excuse us. We're we're a little tired. It's been a long day, but we're here to give you our Big Twelve preview. We thought we'd be covering more of the Iowa Iowa State betting scandal that came out. The only other thing that I've really seen since last week is the Iowa backup kicker placed mm-hmm. under bet and. Uh, I actually I brought it up last week because it came out right as we wrapped up recording. And yeah, I he it. he bet the under, and yeah. everyone was confused as to why that was against the law because yeah. anyone that bet the under won money the entire season. Yeah. <laughs> it didn't uh, take an inside man on the team to win that bet. Absolutely, uh, but instead, what we got was absolute chaos across the entire college football landscape. There was rumors of schools leaving the Pac-12, mainly. Oregon and Washington. Uh, mm-hmm. You and I were talking about it as you are a Penn State fan of the Big Ten. I love Oregon. Uh, hey, it'd be cool, you know, if our, our teams ended up in the same conference. Everybody for the past like week and a half before this all went down was tweeting like eye emojis and you know spreading rumors about and stuff. And all of a sudden the floodgates came open. Um, I believe it came out Wednesday night after we were done. And it said, mm-hmm. you know, Oregon and Washington going to the Big Ten is all but a done deal. You know, they just need to pass the vote. And then Thursday was more the same. Like, yep, okay, you know, everything's getting finalized. Arizona, Arizona State, and Utah are leaving for the Big 12. Uh, Arizona was the first school to kind of get the vote. Um, I believe they were even voted in Thursday, Thursday night. They got their vote passed the Big 12 chancellors and presidents. Um, And then all of a sudden it comes out Friday morning. Uh, Conversations have cooled. Uh, There's going to be a meeting for all the – the Pac-12 presidents, and you know that they're they're going to try and hash this out and, and solidify the conference going forward and sign this media deal. And it's like, okay, well, you know, maybe everything's it is going to calm down. Turns out, what they were trying to do in that meeting was force everybody to sign the grant of rights. And we're going to talk. I'm going to explain that in a minute because I kind of had it mixed up before. I've had it fully explained to me now. So we're gonna we're gonna talk about it here in a minute. Um, Oregon Washington figured out what that meeting was, uh, and it. They did not, they no-showed that meeting. Uh, they also kind of pushed out that rumor that talks had cooled between them and the Big Ten, uh, mainly to try and get the Big Ten to offer more travel money. That was the only thing holding up the deal. And I'd like to I'd like to interject on that because mm-hmm. the funniest thing that I had heard throughout this is, you know, it kind of jumped at one point that maybe those two teams go to the Big 12 instead. Maybe they're yep. the ones that jump. Mm-hmm. Um, and the entire time, the Big Ten themselves just kept releasing that, they are no way going after any teams at this point. They're set. If yeah. something, if some sort of opportunity comes up in the next couple of days, they'll definitely look at it. They'll definitely vote upon it. But they're not uh, actively looking for teams. Yet ever since USC and UCLA had signed to come over, there's been these talks that the Big Ten is trying to get Oregon and Washington to also come. So it's, it's also, to me, kind of weird because I wonder which side is correct. Like, well, it, you know, it, it, or is it a happy medium where like both sides are kind of 
you know, we're not really looking for anything, but also if we're going to take two teams, these are going to be the two teams, you know? Right. Yeah, I, I think it's more of the happy medium. And I don't think the Big Ten was reaching out saying, hey, you guys, you guys want to come over here? I think it was more so Oregon and Washington, look, they, they were waiting. They were patient. They wanted to see what this new media deal, uh, the Pac-12 kept putting off, putting off. What, what is that going to be? And then it came out that it's going to be an Apple TV deal. And then it's going to be, you know, behind a paywall. And then you get bonuses based on how many, you know, subscribers for, you know, each school kind of brings in. The messy deal, basically. Right. Um, the money wasn't terrible, but as compared to what the Big Ten and you know, the SEC. SEC. And, so, and nobody's going to get that money. And, you know, but they, they were at, uh, I actually have the numbers here. Their previous contract was uh, $21 million. So this was going to be $23 million guaranteed, like I said, with those incentives. So not a huge pay bump. While you have schools that are in the half, and, half right, of that. Exactly. Yeah. Um, so they, they were waiting. And I think once that the media deal finally broke, Oregon Washington were like, no, we're out of here. Like, we're, we're not signing this. We're, we're already behind the eight ball. I'm not falling farther behind the eight ball. And that's, I think that's when they reached out to the Big Tens. Are you, would you guys be interested? Uh, and like you said, there was also talks of them. I think them talking to the Big 12 was more so to be like, if the Big Ten, wants to add us it's now or now hurry this let's hurry this up right either, either you offer us or hey we will go to yeah. the big 12 because of the big 12 and uh again i'll talk about it here in a minute as a really sleeper conference that has just freaking risen up <laughs> yeah um so i'm gonna go down and kind of break down uh the pac-12 media deals and everybody's media deal uh, as of right now um so the apple apple deal um was going to was uh, finally offered on August first, presented to all the schools. Uh, it was a five year deal, twenty three million dollars a school, and sent as based on subscribers. Uh, the American Conference gets seven million dollars a school. ACC is seventeen million. Uh, the Big Ten is thirty one point four right now. Starting next year, uh, it's sixty million dollars, and I, that might actually be flipped. It might be sixty million dollars starting this year. I, I did not date check the article. Um, the Big 12 is 20 million this year. It will be 31.6 million dollars next year. Um, Conference USA gets 450 thousand dollars a school. The MAC gets 600 thousand. Mountain West gets 4 million. Pac 12, as I said, gets 21. Um, SEC gets 40 million dollars, and all these are just uh, through the media deals. This isn't the added bonuses for college mm-hmm. football playoffs or or any of that stuff. This is strictly just the, the bare bones media deal. Uh, SEC is forty million dollars. That's their new contract. Um, Sun Belt is five hundred thousand a team. Notre Dame gets twenty six million dollars, uh, and they are looking. I think their contract is up after next season, um, or yes, after next season. Um, and they're looking, hopefully, to get seventy five million dollars. I don't think they get that unless they join a conference. Um, so with Oregon and Washington moving to the Big Ten, they're going to start at $30 million a year. Uh, and every year uh, from there, they're going to get another million dollars uh, until the year 2030, in which they'll become fully integrated and, and Big Ten members, and they'll get that full contract. Um, Big which, 12, which is still starting out to switch conferences, $7 million more than they were exactly. just going to be offered at that meeting. Absolutely. Um, the schools that are going to join the Big 12 – um, is going to uh, they're going to get the the full thirty one point seven million dollars, um, and so looking at this. So anyway, after Oregon Washington announced that they they are going to join the Big Ten, uh, 
the Wisconsin, or excuse me, not the Wisconsin, the Arizona chancellor's president ratified their, their move to the Big 12. Um, and then not too much later, I think it was later the same day, uh, they offered, extended the offer to Arizona State and Utah. Mm -hmm. They took that up in a heartbeat. Uh, so there are four schools left as of right now, as of recording in the, the Pac-12, uh, the Pac-4. It is uh, Stanford, Cal, Washington State, and Oregon State. Um, before I get your thoughts on kind of all that that happened, um, I, I just want to say I feel absolutely horrible for Washington State and Oregon State. Their programs are criminally undervalued. Uh, I think they they bring a lot, not just to the college football as a whole, but to the Pac-12. Uh, the fact that those are the, the two schools that nobody has mentioned a word about of trying to add to another conference or anything like that. Uh, the Big 12 has come out and announced that they are done. They, they are not pursuing any more schools. They, they, are, they are shutting it down. They'd have to divvy more money up to teams if they keep, you know, yeah, absolutely. if they yeah. keep adding they, teams. They've hit their edge, yeah. Um, Especially because they're not doing what the Big Ten is doing in in uh, starting the new teams at a lower rate. Like you had said, right. the new teams are starting out at that $31 million right away. Yeah, and I, the Big 12 was really smart when they signed their deal with ESPN and Fox. Uh, I think it's with Fox, too, or it might just be ESPN. Uh, um, but when they signed it, they, they got a prorated amount to come in. So that way, if they added, I, I think the, the maximum was four teams, if they added four teams, um, they would have enough money from that contract to add in to pay these schools. Whereas the Big Ten kind of had to be like, okay, listen, we're not going to pay you the full $60 million, but we can pay you X amount, with the, about half to start. We'll add another million every year. Um, of course, the other school, and this started weeks ago, Colorado left to join the Big 12 as well. Um, Which, real, real quick. Mm -hmm. Colorado has got to be one of the smartest schools in terms of these whole money deals when it comes to this because they left the Big 12 to go to the Pac-12 when the Pac-12 got the bigger contract than the Big 12 had years ago. Mm -hmm. Now they're flipping back to the Big 12 as soon as they can get in with the big contract. Yeah, and I mean, money-wise, like you said, I 100% agree with you. They're pretty smart. They should have never left the Big 12 in my eyes. I mean, years Correct. ago, when, when, when they left, what was that, 2013, 2014, when we yes. had that first huge shift in conference realignment uh everybody thought the pac-12 was going to you know end up like the, the or excuse me everybody thought the big 12 was going to end up like the pac-12 is now mm -hmm. you know it, everybody was going to leave everybody was going to die the pac-12 is or pac-10 at the time was supposed to become the pac-16 it was supposed to add all it was texas oklahoma state um oklahoma i think texas a&m colorado and i believe nebraska I think those were the six schools, or it might have been another school other than Nebraska. We're supposed to go join the Pac-12, and you know that was going to be a huge blow to the Big 12, and they were either going to have to combine with somebody else, or they were they were going to die. Um, and now here we are, and, and even last year we we're talking about you know, rumors: is is the Big 12 in trouble? You know, Texas and Oklahoma are leaving. Those are the the, the corner posts of mm -hmm. of this conference, and here that they're leaving. And you know, yeah, they added four more schools, but really, how good are they? And now here, all of a sudden here they are, they're, they're picking up the scraps off of the Pac-12 plate. Uh, and I think, I, I don't, I'm not going to say the Big 12 is going to be the best conference in college football. This is going to be one of the most entertaining conferences, though. Uh, they have a lot of natural rivalries that are back. Utah and BYU is, is at the top of that list. Um, Kansas, Kansas State, uh, you have uh, you have the four corners covered with Utah, Arizona, um, schools that are states that make up the four corners but they, they have a, a vast geography you got uh west virginia and cincinnati now which i think is going to be a national rivalry uh it, the big 12 looks like 
one of the most healthiest conferences right now. And like I said, it's going to be so much fun to watch this, this conference play out next season. But like I said, I just wanted to just Wisconsin or I keep saying Wisconsin, Washington State and Oregon State deserve so much better than what they're getting right now. Um, and I, I, like I said, as an I, Oregon, I, I think that I have uh, a good plan for them, which we'll talk about later when we think about what the Pac-12 should do from here. Yeah, that involves both of them that I hope like you looking at the four teams left. I mean, Stanford realistically could try and do like a unattached Notre Dame style type deal. You know, uh, Cal U is just kind of Cal U. I mean, Aaron Rodgers is Aaron Rodgers, Jared Goff are the only two people I know of that have ever come out of that school. Jared, uh, Jared Goff. Jared Goff now. now, where did he go? He went to USC, right? USC. No, no, I think he went to Cal U. He did. You're right. You're right. I think. But anyway, either way, Aaron Rodgers. I was thinking of Arnold. Arnold's the one I was thinking of. Oh, yeah, yeah. Golf golf did go to. Either way, I mean, those two guys are the only two people that I know to come out of that school recently. And so, like, they just haven't had a lot of, you know, great, at least from a football perspective, teams recently. Yeah. Uh, He did go to Cal. The the only other notable name I remember is Marshawn Lynch. Um, But, yeah. Scary. So, I, I, I... talked about this briefly um so just to explain what grant of rights actually is because we were talking about the acc and we were so worried about the acc and it seemed like they were in a race with the pac-12 to see who collapsed first when we discussed this last week um so grant of rights even if a team is able to pay the exit fee uh the big 12 started this the big 12 is the first team to implement a grant of rights and, um and then so that lasts the length of the, the tv contract deal um, so even if a team manages to pay whatever the exit fee is to leave the conference, um, the, due to grant of rights, wh- whatever co- money they make TV-wise um, in their new conference, they still have to pay to their old conference. And, and there are estimates uh, with Florida State looking to leave and, and Clemson and all these schools. The reason they're trying to get the grant of rights broken up is because it could cost teams close to $500 million to, to leave and go to a conference like the SEC. Due to just how long the ACC contract is, it runs till twenty thirty six. Yeah, yeah. Um, and also speaking of the ACC, last week I said the exit fee was fifty two million. It's actually one hundred twenty million. I had the wrong figure on that, so I just wanted to. Yeah, I mean, it. so just real quick, if if the SEC were to sign that seventy five million dollar a year uh, TV rights deal, you know, that each team would get, that you were saying that their you know ho- hoax is getting. I mean, right there in the first year of exiting and getting that is $200 million that they end up sending right back to the ACC just to try and get out if you're Florida State or Clemson or whoever. Yeah, and that's, I, I think, so understanding what that means now and, and what all that entails, If unless somehow these schools figure out a legal way to break up that grant of right contract, um, the ACC will be fine for years. Even, even if Clemson and Florida State do end up leaving, I think the, the only way you could really get around that is if you become an independent school. Uh, Did you see what Florida State is looking at? Yeah. They, they're, they, they're looking at some overseas money to help they out. Are. Yeah, they, they brought in uh, – <laughs> yeah, no, the, the memes that had that, – that is what I thought was going to be, be the big story last week. Yeah. And watching the memes come out about that and then all of a sudden, you know, the, the realignment news break. Yep. Um, Real quick. Yeah. Um, but – before, before I carry on, I just want to get your, your 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 initial thoughts on everything that happened with realignment next week and or last week, excuse me, and just kind of has how that has you looking at the landscape of college football and, and, and your feelings towards it. 
Um, I, I think in terms of college football, it's going to be great. I mean, we have three mega conferences right now in the Big 12, the Pac, or I sorry, the yeah, the Big 12, the Big 10, and the SEC. Mm-hmm. I just think in terms of uh, in two three years, once you get Texas and Oklahoma over to the SEC, you still have a very uh, packed Big 12. Um, at that point, it'll be what 16 teams. So, yeah, yeah. um, you have the Big Ten, which will have 18 teams, barring no other additions. You know, everyone keeps saying they need to add two more teams and do uh, two 10 team conferences. Just basically go back to, <laughs> to what they had at one point, <laughs> but um, uh, with two conferences. But you know, uh, I think that the ACC is going to kind of have a little bit of some downtime. I think for compared to what they recently have had, you know, with Clemson kind of bringing the ACC to the forefront with their college football playoff, um, their ability to get there so many years and stuff. You know, I think that they're going to kind of run a couple of years here, similar to what the PAC 12 has in the last couple of years, where every once in a while they get a team in like they did with Oregon uh, Mm -hmm. into the, you know, the conference playoff or to the college football playoffs. But I think that they're just going to kind of look down compared to these three mega conferences in terms of, uh, these deals happening and I mean, they haven't talked really enough about all the other people that this has affected, you know, Mm -hmm. uh, there's now like they're, they're saying like, you're going to have someone in Oregon that is maybe a track and field athlete that is going to have to fly cross country to New Jersey to have a meet at Rutgers. And then they're going to fly back, get home at 4am and have to go to class that day because they're not a football player. They don't get a free pass to miss class the next day, you know? It's mm-hmm. it's a uh, much different regulations and stuff. So I, I just think that in terms of football, it's going to be amazing. I think that we're going to get to see, like you had said, there's a lot of rivalries that are kind of getting back together. You know, a lot of different things we're going to get to see. Uh, but in terms of them not thinking about every other student athlete, it right. does kind of suck in that aspect. Yeah. Um, so my, my thoughts on it is as an Oregon fan and being friends with Penn State fans mm-hmm. and you guys and you know, I have family that are Penn State fans. I have family that are Michigan fans. Um, you know, my father-in-law's a Nebraska alum and, and a huge Nebraska fan. I, I am super excited for that aspect. I kind of wish the NCAA would almost just go into sport-only conferences. Like, the, the big football conferences can do whatever they want, and it won't affect, you know, the, the basketball conferences and stuff like that. Because Sort of similar you, to, like, Notre Dame how their football is independent, but the rest of them are ACC. Right. Okay. Kind of like that. Um, but I mean, just like, I think even FCS schools kind of do it that way uh, because it, a lot of the FCS schools are, you know, there's no D1 double A in basketball. Mm-hmm. It, it's, it's D1. And, and so, you know, the conferences are different there as well. Um, but just in that, in that aspect, because like you said, I, nobody thought about any of the other sports and I do, I do get the the frustration from, you know, like I've seen a lot of softball players and and other sports speaking out who are like, you know, you know, our family can't come see our games now. And there's a certain aspect of being a college athlete. Like I I left Pennsylvania. I went to Vermont to play school. And, you know, I I get that I made that choice, but not everybody chooses to go so far away to school. And, and, you know, they, they wanted to stay somewhat close to home. Granted, you know, Oregon was still traveling to Southern California. I don't think families were making that trip, uh, you know, every, every time. But I, I do get their their concern. And like you said, I, I feel like they were left behind. Um, but, you know, as, as a fan of a now Big Ten school to get to compete against you guys, I'm excited. But I, I, I don't like that 
this is what college football has become. It, it's and it, it's just the way the world works. And I, and I get that now, especially becoming an adult. But everything's just driven by money. You know, I kind of when we were kids, and maybe I, I don't want to say it was this way, but I think it was more so just because of how young we were growing up. College football was so different from the pros because it didn't matter about money. It was about rivalries and, you know, and, and just playing your hardest so you could get to go to the NFL to go make all this money. And not, not even talking about NIL stuff and all that, but just watching, you know, the, these TV executives, these guys that sit in suits and offices all day, just sit there and, and kind of dictate the entire college football landscape like this. It is a little disheartening to see, um, you know, going over those TV contracts, not saying the SEC and the Big Ten don't deserve so much more money than, you know, what the Mac and stuff get. Um, and there is something, a little rant I'm going to go on here in a little bit, and we'll get to it in a minute. But it, it's it's disheartening to see um, on the other side, too. So um, I get everybody else's frustration. And, again, going back to Oregon State and Washington State, you know, seeing – being a fan of a Pac-12 school currently, you, you get to follow a lot of, you know, that chain – of you know other fan bases and stuff seeing how upset they are that they were just kind of completely left behind and forgotten because at first when it came out that oregon and washington were talking they were like well we want to take these guys with us and i i completely get the school's frustration um that they they, they essentially feel abandoned and again they are criminally underrated as as programs to just be left behind like this um oregon state it was a really good they be a top 10 Oregon team last year. They stopped Florida in their bowl game. They finished inside the top 25. Uh, Washington State started off really hot and they kind of, you know, had an up and down season from there. But again, really solid programs and they just got tossed by the wayside. Uh, You look at Stanford more so than Cal, but Stanford has the most NCAA championships in every other sport outside of football. Um, You know, they have one of the best golf programs. They win, uh, I mean, I think it's called the President's It's not the President's Cup. Maybe it is, but like, you know, the overall, like just the best school across the board, just about every year. Um, and I understand the ACC is talking to them and Cal now, um, but just kind of disrespect to a lot of the schools that I don't, I don't think deserve it. Um, so before we move on, what, what do you see happening? What, what is your forecast for where we go from here? What happens to those last four schools do you think um, – and just where do you see the dust settling, you know, on everything? Yeah, so I don't think that there's going to be any team moves the rest of this season. I think that we are kind of done with that as of right now. I think that, um, like you said, I think that might have been one of the reasons why Oregon and um, Washington, uh, Washington, why they didn't sign a lot sooner with the Big Ten is because I think that, like you said, I think that there was negotiations trying to get their in-state rivals to come along with, you know? But I think that once it got down to, like, if you want to come, it's you or nobody. They right. were like, you know what? All right, we got to sign. Um, I think that the Pac-12 um, should align with Mountain West. I think from a geographical standpoint, it makes sense. It's cost-effective. They're not going to get a huge contract to be able to afford to come across the country to play ACC teams and stuff like that if right. there is their plan. The ACC is locked into such an ironclad contract that even if they do come over to the ACC, they're probably going to be looking at half of what the ACC is currently getting if they do kind of a, similar to what the Big Ten did 
which I mean, at that point, would you say they're getting 17 million right now? Team, I think. Uh, um, ACC, yeah, 17. Million. Yeah, so I mean, at, at that point, you're looking at you know eight and a half million compared to the 21 that they were getting prior to this Apple deal and the big shakeup. I, I just think the Mountain West seems the most reasonable for those teams right now. I think Washington State and Oregon State could go in there and really hang with Air Force and some of the other bigger teams there and and kind of try and make that conference like theirs, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, I think that the ACC, I think that these teams, the magnific- Magnificent Seven that they're calling them, I think that these teams are going to take this like to court. They're going to try and do what they can. And I think what's going to end up happening is they're going to develop a distribution thing where whichever teams are bringing in the most eyes, they're now going to distribute the money differently, which is going to help Florida State and Clemson and whoever else is doing good those years. But teams like Duke and Wake Forest – are not Duke, sorry, Boston College and Wake Forest, they're about to see no money basically mm-hmm. if that happens because for them to be able to pay Clemson – and Florida State or whoever else is getting, you know, the most eyes on the ACC, it's they're going to have to take a lot of money from those smaller schools. Yeah, um, I'll, I'll talk about the ACC quick before I, I move back to what I think happens with those those last four schools. First of all, I think it's absolutely stupid that they're trying to add two random, and I don't mean necessarily random mm-hmm. that you know it, they're, they're nobody schools in Stanford and Cal, but the fact that those are the two schools that they're trying to add and bring over. Just makes no sense. It, it makes less sense than when the Big Ten added UC, USC and UCLA. Um, it's that's just a stupid far distance for these schools to be traveling for no reason other than you just want to. Um, yeah. And again, like you said, that I, I don't think this the schools within the ACC will even pass that vote because again, they're they're already fighting over you know the money that, that they get now. Um, as far as the the magnificent seven as as they're, they're called. Florida State seems to be the only school that's really pushing to, to get out. You know, I, I think talks have kind of cooled ever since those seven schools realized, I don't think we're going to get another school to join us to dissolve this conference and, you know, get a new TV deal on our own and all this other stuff. Um, if the opportunity comes up, if Florida State figures out how to get out of this contract, I think they'll leave then. But it doesn't look like they're constantly pushing and pursuing it to the extent that Florida State is. You know, Florida State's AD and, and presidents are coming out all the time saying we hate it here. You know, we don't want to be in this conference anymore. UNC's uh, president actually came out last week and said, we get that you're unhappy. Like nobody, not a lot of people here are happy. Um, but, you know, you, you don't need, I, I think he called it barking. Like, you don't need to be barking like this and, and just sort of uh, like, we're, we're in this. Like, you know, it, it sucks, but, you know, we got to make the best of it until you can figure out. But there's no need for you to, to kind of go on these tirades like they, they've been doing. Um, so. That, that's been kind of interesting to see. As far as the, the, the Pac-4 schools, uh, Stanford and Cal have both com- completely come out and said that they want nothing to do with the Mountain West. I, I honestly think, and we, we kind of talked about it briefly, um, I think their best choice is to go independent. Um, and I, I think that'll, that'll be the best for them going forward until they can you know, something happens in, in the college football world where they find an opening. If, I mean, if they go to the ACC, fine, great. They're, they're going to be near the bottom every year. I don't, that doesn't help them in recruiting any in my eyes. And again, this is from a strictly you know, football standpoint. They're not really, you know, good <laughs> with all due respect in any major sports. Uh, baseball, I, I, I feel like they're, they, I don't watch enough college baseball for me to 
confidently say that they're good or not. Stanford um, and Washington State are pretty good at baseball. And yeah. uh, so so if you think that Stanford and Cal U, their best options, not wanting to go to the Mountain West at all, they're voicing that that is their last chance, their last resort, you know. Yeah. Um, do you think that it would be smart for Washington State and Oregon State to maybe make that jump? You know, hey, I, I know that you guys don't want to make that decision, but look, we're not looking to be just left out here with a four-team conference. Right. Like, we're yeah. trying to find a home. I, I think an ideal situation for um, Washington State and Oregon State right now is either Stanford and Cal decide, listen, we're just going to go independent, or they do end up joining the ACC. And those are the only two schools left. They get the tactical naming rights and all that stuff kind of tug, tagged onto them. And then from there, they can not join the Mountain West, but also create a merger. Um, you know, I think that'll be the best thing for not just them, but the Mountain West as well. I think that opens more opportunity for uh, that Mountain West conference to get a bigger TV deal, mm -hmm. maybe close to the $20 million number, you know, we're seeing, especially with everybody else, you know, getting such big money. Um, but a lot of people, and I'm going to, uh, again, this kind of ties into my rant. A lot of people are, are looking down on the Mountain West. I think the Mountain West is number two to the American conference. If, you know, we, we were to upgrade somebody to a power five, non -power fives, yeah. And, and honestly with the amount of schools that left the, the top schools that left the American this past year, Mountain West might overtake them. Um, and so while, while I keep trying to dance around it, I'm just going to talk about it. Um, so there's a gentleman on Twitter. I believe he works. I, I tried reading his bio. Um, he is a huge LSU guy. I believe he he covers their practices and stuff. I I believe he works for ESPN Radio. Uh, Matt Muscana, and I apologize if I'm saying that wrong. Um, so this is what he tweeted last week. Um, this is right after you know uh, all the big news kind of shook out, and we we understood what college football is going to look like next year, at, at least to this point. Um, so I'm going to do a kind of point counterpoint here, just going over his tweets and everything that he he brought up. So this is the first tweet he he posted on I, I think this is Friday. Um, what's happening? What yeah? What is happening today is great for college football. The idea of 133 teams on the same level uh, is is and always has been a farce. The days of being force fed garbage cupcake games and a sh and a sham of a postseason dictated by old men and ugly way ugly blazers will end. Um, so to an extent, I I 100% agree with him. You know, not every college football team is created equally. I absolutely agree with that, and, and that's a great point. Um, being force-fed the garbage cupcake teams, I don't agree with, because I, I don't feel like anybody has ever force-fed, you know, this down their throats. It's the fact that, you know, at LSU what, and, what and UAB team do you think he's talking about in cupcake teams? <laughs> no, I'm kidding. Yeah, no. But, I mean, it, it, it that that's where I, I disagree with this is you know these schools are actively going out and, and signing these contracts with, with UAB and you know um, and conference USA, USA mm -hmm. schools and again I agree not every team is equal and I, and I 100% agree with him on that but I I don't get where he feels that he's force fed this had to sit there and watch LSU play UAB or or, or a school like that because. That that's the school making that decision. This the school wants a, a tune-up game, or you know, a, the a week off paying before, for that decision. Right. 
the school's taken a you know a week off before they they play their biggest rivalry game of the year, um, and maybe yeah, I'm just not understanding what he's trying to say there. But that that's in that tweet that's that was what was confusing me. From here, he got a lot of group of five fans upset, um, and again, for the most part, I agree with this tweet. And there there was an exchange back and forth, and then he put this tweet out. This was the first tweet I saw, and I was just like. What the actual hell? Like, why? First of all, and again, I didn't see the first tweet. I just saw this one, and I was like, "What? Why are you taking a random shot at the Mountain West? Well, like, you're an LSU for the podcast fan. listeners. What's it say? Yeah. Uh, so he says, "I don't care about Mountain West football, and neither does the rest of America." And he went on to elaborate his point from here. I had to read a lot of tweets to to, to kind of understand everything that was happening and what was going on. If I don't think he regrets this at all. I'm not, I'm not going to try and speak for him. If I was in his shoes, though, I would have changed, you know, I don't care to, I don't watch, you know, Mountain West football, and, and neither does the rest of America. Because what he was getting at, and by the fact that he was saying, you know, nobody in America cares about Mountain West football, is the fact that nobody watched the, the conference championship game last year. You know, not a lot of people are... Very low ratings, yeah. Right, and, and not a lot of people are like me. I, I love all college football. I think all college football is good college football. It's not great. I get that. You know, Toledo and, and Ohio facing off is not as amazing as a, a Tennessee-Alabama game. Not every game can be a Tennessee-Alabama and, and Ohio State-Michigan. I respect that, and I understand that. But as somebody that played Division three football, and again, I, I get that this isn't where he was, he was going with this, and I'm not throwing this at him. Um, but as somebody that, that fought to get to Division three. And, and loved every minute of it. I, I understand how hard these guys had had to pair and, and fight just to get to a Division One school, even though it's Matt. You know, like I said, it's not Alabama, it's not Georgia, and I get that. Um, you know, I, I, I still just have a, a respect for them and a love for the game, and that's what these guys have. You know, a lot of these guys understand that they're not they're not going to go pro. Um, but you know, my my Christmas is I believe it's October fourth this year. Starting October 4th, there's going to be 55 consecutive days of college football this year. Or, excuse me, not college football, just football. So, mm-hmm. Tuesday, you're going to have Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday. You know, you're going to have MAC, Sun Belt, you know, every, an ACC game, a, a Big Ten game thrown in there on, on Fridays. And then wow. you have college football Saturday, you got your NFL Sunday, and then Monday Night Football and, and NF, or NFL Thursday night, too. I can't wait for October 4th. I'm, and I might be wrong. I believe that's the date. And uh, again, what he's saying here, it, it, I agree. Not every football team, you know, college football team, especially, is is created equally. I, I just kind of wish that tweet would have been worded a little bit differently, rather than saying, you know, I, I and he might not care, and I I, I respect that, uh, and not everybody does. You, you don't have to love all college football to say you love college football. You know, you, you can be a diehard SEC fan, um, and, and you have the right. If you bleed your, your school's colors, you have the right to say, you know, I love college football. Um, but to sit there and say, you know, the rest of America doesn't care about it, I felt like was a little bit too far of an exaggeration for me. And again, I'm nitpicking his statement here. But again, he 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 backed it up. You know, he he posted viewers here. The SEC championship game last year was the most watched at 10.89 million, whereas the Sun Belt was the least watched at 332,000 viewers. Um, and again, I get that. And to him, that might seem like it doesn't care, but I, in my eyes, I kind of put this on the networks, like outside of the 
the Big Ten and the SEC, like the, the, the Power Five Conference Championship games last year, I hardly saw any advertisement for, you know, hey, Mount West Conference Championship game is going to be on, you know, make sure you guys watch it. Like giving the, the general population advertisement, you know, hey, go watch this. You know, we're, we're putting this product out there. Um, so I, I kind of put it on the networks again. I'm glad I read through the rest of his tweets and I kind of saw the point he was trying to get to. Uh, but just just seeing this tweet here. Yeah, yeah again, but also, I mean, can you go back to that last slide for a second? Yeah, go ahead. It, it just shows, you know, all the teams that played in the championship games. I mean, we had talked about Troy and Coastal Carolina both having big games last season. Uh, Jackson State, you know, um, Ohio, or not Ohio, but we talked about Toledo having a fabulous season, you know, uh, Boise State, we had talked about them multiple times on Saturday morning. So, like, some of these lower co- uh, conferences, like, they still had big points in the season that we were talking about them, you know? It's not like everyone only talked about the AAC and up, you know? Right. <laughs> like, like, the Power Five and, and then, you know, the Atlantic, or, I mean, the uh, American, but... Yeah, I mean, I, I understand. I think, like you said, wrong wordage used, right, in those tweets. And and I mean, I know you and Nick kind of roll your eyes at me at times when I'm like, "Hey, we should make the game of the week this week, Eastern Michigan and Western Michigan." And you're like, "No, like that's not." And and, and I get and like it's I like, said, I, dude, Ohio State is playing Penn State. This yeah, weekend. no, and, <laughs> and and like I said, I'm not trying. I'm not, I'm not a college football gatekeeper. Uh, I mm-hmm. do feel like my love for this game is, is I would say, on a different level. Because, like I said, I, I I am excited to sit down on a Tuesday night and watch Ohio and Toledo play in a in a you know a, a shitty rainstorm where you're going to see the, the worst special teams, like three putt blocks, and uh, week like weekday college football and Pac-12 after dark are two of my favorite things. To, and one of those is going away after this year. Like, hopefully, the Mountain <laughs> West does Mountain West after dark because. You know, we, you would have a number one Oregon team travel to a, a two-win Arizona team and get upset because the game is being played 10 o'clock on the East Coast, and, and just the wildest shit would always happen in those games. Mm-hmm. Um, like I said, it, it's kind of discouraging to me because there are people out, out there who absolutely agree with him. You know, we don't care. It's it's not big-time football. And I, I just need to, to stress to people that, you know, th- these guys deserve love too. You know, if you're not doing anything on a Tuesday night or a Wednesday night or whatever – Watch these guys because, again, they, they work their asses off to get to this point. They deserve, you know, bigger you – know, the, the schools deserve bigger contracts than five hundred, you know, $700,000 per school, especially, like I said, with, uh, you know, with, with the SEC and the Big Ten mm-hmm. are getting. I'm not saying they deserve that money, and I get that. Um, but, you know, if I'm, – I'm just asking you guys out there, you know, give some love to the, the group of five schools this year. Watch those games. Because they are a lot of fun. It, it is it is good football. You're just um, giving a little homework. Watch one game. Yeah, exactly. Try it out. Yeah. Um, so that's enough, you know, sentimental stuff on the uh, the conference football or college football conference realignment and, and all that stuff. And I got it out of my system. So let's go ahead. It's <laughs> we, we we've got a long episode in here already, but it's time to move over to our Big Twelve preview for the season. Uh, we have a lot to talk about here as well. Slade, my first question to you looking at the Big Twelve. Uh, what do you think the more interesting storyline is this season? Is it the arrival of the American schools uh, the, before they came over, 
or do you think it's how ten or Texas and Oklahoma are going to perform in their final season before they leave to go to the SEC? You know, I would love to say uh, the American Conference, you know, the, these teams coming in there. Mm-hmm. But I just think that based off of the recruits and the teams that are being put together on this Texas team and the Oklahoma team, I mean, I think it would be unrealistic to think that at the end of the season, these two teams are not in the top four of the Big 12, which to me, it's got to suck for everyone in the Big 12, you know, to if one of these teams wins the Big 12 and just runs away, you know, that's got to suck. Yeah. Uh, so so I think that the big thing this year, I think, for all these teams in the Big 12 is just, you know, you want to have a great season, but whatever you got to do, you cannot let, let Texas or Oregon, or sorry, not Oregon, uh, Oklahoma win the Big 12 this year. You just can't let it happen. Yeah. Um, I actually went with the American schools joining just just for the uh, and I'm not looking down on Texas and Oklahoma. I, I think they're going to have good seasons. And you it's will be, when you get that tattoo. Yeah, it's going to be fun to watch them. I just think storyline wise and, and, and right. this is, you know, the question I posed is, you know, we, we saw Cincinnati make it to the playoffs a few years ago. Mm-hmm. Uh, we saw UCF claim a national title, you know, in 2017. Allegedly, um, yeah, yeah. No, they, they claimed it. They claimed yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. That's it's for yeah. sure. <laughs> um, so I mean, this is really going to be a case study, and 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 I understand Cincinnati's kind of fall. You could argue they're going to fall off this year. Luke Fickle left. Uh, you mm-hmm. know, they're having a lot of turnover there. But how good is the top echelon of Group of Five schools compared to middle of the pack mm-hmm. uh, Power Five schools? You know, can these guys come in? Can they hang? You know, can can they finish towards the top or are they going to be middle of the pack in the big 12? You know, can one of them end up in the conference championship game? You know, this, like I said, I think it's just going to be a case study. And I think for that reason, that's it, why it's going to be more. And there's more teams. So like you're right. saying, I mean, it's a week to week storyline, like, Hey, yeah. can Cincy upset this team, you know, whatever. Right. And, you know, especially with the, the two biggest brands in this conference leaving now, granted that, you know, next year they're, they're going to add four solid schools, but mm-hmm. Seeing how well the, the 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 newcomers from the American are going to do is going to speak a lot towards how healthy this conference is going to be going forward, um, and, and I think those are the the key things to watch, and, and that's why I have that as my biggest storyline for this season. Um, the the Cinderella story of last year was, was the Kansas Jayhawks. Out of nowhere, they they end up making their first bowl game. That game against Arkansas was, I think, I I would argue was the best bowl game we watched all year. Um, they, they come back, they force it to go to overtime, they narrowly win. Um, but for once, they didn't have zero, one, or two wins. You know, they pull off a six-win season. Lance Leopold looks like he has that program headed in the right direction. They're unveiling you know, all these new facility centers they're building there and all this other stuff. Do you do you think Kansas is here to stay for a couple years? I, I don't want to say, you know, are, you know, are they fully back and right. edgings on them? Do you think they can compete? For a couple of years, can they continue to progress, or do you think we're looking at a, a one and done season? Are they going to head back towards the basement of the Big Twelve? You know, two, three, maybe four wins. Uh, how how do you see Kansas kind of moving forward from from last season? I think they're going to have a down year. Um, looking at their schedule, I think realistically, I could see them losing eight ga- eight games. I mean, a twelve game season that is not good especially from where they were at this past season. I don't think that they're like, you know, bottom of the barrel. I think that uh, there's these other teams coming in and that's going to add 
a lot of I I think it's going to be a learning experience for a lot of the uh, for some of those uh, American Conference teams coming in. And so I think that that's going to offer a little cushion for Kansas to kind of, you know, get a little breathing room, get a little time to to kind of get their feet underneath them after what I suspect is going to happen this season. And I mean, even if they lose, you know, seven games in a 12 game season, that's that's not good compared yeah. to what, um, what they expect after their last year. season, you know? Right. Um, I'm are they back? I'm gonna actually disagree with you. I I don't want to say like I don't think it's like two south two thousand seven yeah. levels. Like I'm not expecting them to make the Orange Bowl this year, but I I do think um, we're gonna see a consistent team out of them. I think they might even improve a little bit off of last year. Uh, I mean, you brought up their schedule, and granted, it is not an easy schedule. Um, They've got a tough schedule. <laughs> I, looking at their first six games, they have Missouri State, Illinois, Nevada. BYU, Texas, and UCF. Uh, Missouri State win. Illinois, I, I have Illinois winning that one. Um, is that not the same week Illinois plays Penn State? I guess not. I mean, uh, it can't be. But um, Nevada, I have them winning. So they're 2-1 and one to start the year. BYU, that game's at home. So I'll give that to, to Kansas just because, and I'll, I'll talk more in depth about why I think Kansas is, is set up for improvement this year. BYU, they win at Texas. They lose, um, and I think they beat UCF at home. Um, really, I, th- so I think so. Uh, Texas is where I saw them going on a five-game losing streak. That's why I... uh, I'm going to talk about Oklahoma State here in a minute. Um, but look at it. I think just with what they're bringing back, especially on the offensive side of the ball, you got Jalen Daniels, Devin Neal. That offense is is going to be so much improved from last season. Um, I really think. Uh, I, I think they make a bowl game this year, at, at the least. Uh, if not, they they could be win- looking at. I think if everything goes their way, they're looking at the eight win season rather than an eight loss season. That's I, definitely I, great. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but you know their offense ranked inside the top fifty in every major statistic. That's your scoring, passing, rushing, and total offense. Uh, so they were inside the top fifty in all those categories last year. Um. And then, like I said, they they returned uh, Devin Neal and Jane Daniels. Their biggest, you know, hang up last year was their defense, who ranked almost last in a lot of those categories. Um, but they're they're, I think their system is in place now, and these guys are going to have enough confidence behind them. That, hey, we can go out there. We can. Hey, I don't know if they can beat Texas, but hey, maybe we can hang with them. You know, mm-hmm. let's go out there. Let's hang with some of these bigger schools. And let's pull off a couple wins. You know, we we know how good we are. You know, the, we played TCU, who went to the national championship game. We're not going to talk about what happened there. They went to the national championship game, and we had one of the best games of the season against them. You know, college game day came to our school last year. Um, so I think they have enough experience behind them, but also some some confidence behind them now. And I think that's why I, I think I have them winning 6-7. Again, I think ideal scenario, they win eight games. Um, but, yeah, uh, let's move on. Who do you have winning? Uh, actually, we're going to do winning last. It, I already know who you're going to say. I don't even need to ask it. Uh, who do you have as your most improved team uh, for the 2023 season? Yeah, so just to kind of piggyback off what I had said with the thoughts on Texas and Oklahoma this season before leaving, I think Oklahoma is going to be my most improved. I think that uh, they had seven losses last season. It was their first season under Venables. Um 
five of those seven games, the last drive is when they lost. That's what decided the game. They came out on the wrong side of five of those seven drives. Now you could say you, you put yourself in that situation. Definitely. But I think that first year coach, I think second year with the season is definitely going to be different. Uh, it looks like coach Venables added 17 transfers, nine of which are on the defense, which defense was horrific for them last year. That was uh, obviously with the drives at the end of the game, they just didn't have the depth for them to be able to have their defense out there on long drives. Um, That's, QB Jackson Arnold, he was added to the QB room along with what Davis Bevel and one and only General Booty. Um, these guys are in the QB room, and that doesn't even include Dylan Gabriel, who's coming back from injury. Uh, and I mean, he had a pretty good season last year, and Venables kind of trashed him and said, like, last season was crap and that he needs to do better this season. Last year, he threw for 3,100 yards. 25 touchdowns, six interceptions with a 62% completion rating. And Venables was like, 62% completion rating is horrible. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, I, I think that if they're able to just kind of capitalize, they need the defense, like what the nine of those 17 guys that came with the transfer portal. Um, I, I think that they could really have a great season. I could see them kind of finish in third or fourth. And I think that's a big, uh, big change from this past season. Yeah, I, I 100% agree with you. I think Oklahoma is going to be vastly improved. The team I picked, though, is Baylor. But real quick, just before I talk about them, we, we looked at Oklahoma last year. Like, their offense was was struggling. And it, it had definitely fallen from the heights of what Lincoln Riley had it at. But they, the just fact, got, they just got all their good guys taken. <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, the fact that they still rank 13th in total offense, I think mm-hmm. is the most surprising statistic to look at. based Just watching them on, on, on film and, and watching them in games last year, that's not where I would have expected them to, to. But I think after watching them in the, the Cheez-It Bowl against Florida State and watching how they battled Florida State, and that that gave me a lot of hope heading into the season for Oklahoma. And like you said, it, it's it's year two in this system. I think their defense is going to be really improved under Brett Venables, who is a defensive-minded head coach. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, I, I think it's – I don't think they're losing 49 nothing in the Red River rivalry, and I, that is going to be a game I'm excited to see is yeah. how does Oklahoma not just respond to, you know, how down their season was last year? How do they respond to the disrespect that they had to endure from Texas getting shut out 49 nothing in, in Dallas? Um, but, yeah, like I said, I'm going to go with Baylor this season. Uh, they had three one-score losses last year. Uh, Blake Chapin just had – he had a, a solid year in 2021. In 2022, they just kind of dumped everything on him, whereas – you know, before it was kind of a, a balanced offense. It, it really felt like they leaned heavily, heavier on the, uh, the the passing last year. Um, Shapin just wasn't the guy to, to undertake that. He's back this year. He has more experience. And I think he's, if that's the way they decide to go, I think he'll be better. He can step up more. Um, but they really, really succeeded uh, with this, this RVO offense, um, which is reliable, violent offense. And I, I love that terminology. Um, Richard Reese is returning at running back and it, he played so well last year. Um, so I think their offense is going to be much improved to where it was this past year. Uh, they get a brand new defensive coordinator, um, in the major stat lines, uh, they average a 62.75 finish. So if they can get that to top 50, uh, again, you know, you're not just flipping those, those one score games, but there's maybe another game or two there that you can, you can pull out. We might be looking at Baylor back in, in the Big 12 title game 
which is where everybody thought they would be after winning it the year uh, in 2021. Um, they get a lot of their most difficult games at home. They get Texas, uh, Utah, and Texas Tech at home this season. Uh, and then their toughest road game in my eyes is at Kansas State. So even if they lose those four games, you're looking at an eight and four season. Um, and who knows with how crazy I feel like the Big 12 is going to be this year. Might be good enough to, to get you a trip to Arlington, or at least in the conversation there. Um, so I, I think we're, we're going to see a much improved Baylor team this year. Uh, I think we're going to take their head coach, um, Dave Ar- Arnada, off the hot seat. Uh, who do you have as your, your most disappointing or, or a team that's going to take the, the biggest regression for this year? Yeah, so uh, first off, I'm going to go with TCU. They have one great addition to the team in Breon Ramsey Brooks. Uh, <laughs> the dude is 455 pounds and 6'5". He's two people. He's an offensive lineman. It's going to be very hard to get past him. Uh but I, I just think, I mean, they lost eight guys to the draft. Another three got picked up during free agents, like as free agents or whatever, you know. Um, I, I just think it's hard to go from, they had a great season. I mean, they didn't show up in the last game of the season when it mattered. But they had a great season. But, I mean, if you think about it, they've got 11 of their 22 starters gone. <laughs> mm-hmm. I just think that's hard to replace, even with the transfer portal the way it is now. I think there's just too much to replace there. I mean, last year they lost, uh, what, two wideouts. Basically, their defense, the linebacker, cornerbacker, or the cornerback defensive end, they lost Max Dugan in their quarterback, their running back. Now, I know that Dugan only got to start because of an injury, mm-hmm. and that guy will be back this season, but... I just think that the rest of the team, I don't think that there being that quarterback that would have been the starter possibly better than Dugan could have possibly taken them farther. That one extra game, you don't know, obviously. But I I just think that it's too much lost talent for them to be able to replicate. And I think second in the nation, uh, and then if you go out and, I don't know, lose seven games this season, definitely regression for me. Yeah. Uh, no, I definitely agree. I, I, I mean, they're not going to be fighting for a national championship in my eyes. I I don't want to say seven losses. I'll have them at, at four or five, I think, is where I'm, I'm going to put them right now. Because, I mean, on, on top of all that, too, you, you lose your offensive coordinator, Garrett mm-hmm. Riley. Um, but seeing that, you know, this quarterback, suppose, you know, say supposedly he beat out Max Duggan in the competition last year is the only thing kind of left to give me hope. And also just seeing how good of a coach Sonny Dykes is and, and how he took SMU from you know a bottom of the American pile to the top, and he came to TCU, and you know in one year he had it up there, and, and I, I get a lot of that was kind of lightning in the bottle, uh, but I just I believe in his system, you know I as, as a, a football coach myself, you know I, I like to you know read articles on these guys and how do they operate and all this other stuff, um, and I, I just really like the way that he he commands his his teams. And I think having a head coach like that is is enough to keep them from, you know, saying going from what ten and two, uh, thirteen and two, all you know, down to like a, a five and seven team, something like that. So that's I, I think there'll be four or five losses, but I, I you know, and again, that's I, I think that that'll be okay for them. Uh, but I agree with you, you know, they're they're going to take a step back this year. Um, uh, my team I'm going with is Oklahoma State. I. People, are, for some reason, in my eyes, or from what I've seen online, still very high on this team. Uh, I absolutely don't see it. 
I think we could possibly be looking at the you know the beginning of the end. I think last season was the beginning of the end of Mike Gundy's tenure in Oklahoma State. I think he's he's shown that he's taken this team that as high as he can get them. Uh, you know, they they've been on the verge of the playoff a few times now. You think back, I think it was 2007. You know, they beat Iowa State. They're playing for a national championship game, and you know they lose that game. Um, so uh, they lived to a, a finish last year, winning just two of eight games. Um, they started five and zero, and then they limped to, to a two and two and eight finish. So not really, you know, high expectations off of that. Um, Spencer Sanders and Braden Johnson are gone. Spencer Sanders transfers to Ole Miss. Uh, they also have a very difficult schedule. Uh, they're at uh, Arizona State. Uh, they have South Alabama at home, and I talked about this when we did the Group of Five preview. Mm-hmm. I really feel like that is a huge upset, a uh, you know, possibility game. I think South Alabama is that good, and Oklahoma State could be you know that down. That that's absolutely a game South Alabama can win. Um, they have Kansas State at home. They have Kansas at home. Uh, they're at West Virginia. Uh, they have Oklahoma at home, and then at UCF and at Houston. Uh, so in my eyes, that's a, a really difficult schedule to get through, especially if the offense isn't gelling uh, with you know the loss of the, that offensive firepower. I, I, they get the running back you know returning, um, but watching them play the last few years, Spencer Sanders, if if he was playing lights out, they, they were one of the best teams in college football. And then we saw in, in the Big Twelve Championship game against Baylor in 2021, he threw four intercept four interceptions and. That's just, that was her undoing because it, if, if he was hot or cold. And now with him just gone, it'll be really nice to see how this team functions. Uh, like I said, I I don't even have them making a bowl game in my eyes this year. So that's why I have Oklahoma State as the most declined, most regressed team in the Big 12. Um, you so start now, us off. You start us off first. I want to hear yours. Okay. Big 12 winner for this season. Last season, we talked about it. It was Kansas State. They beat out TCU. Mm-hmm. TCU ends up getting picked to go to the college football playoffs. They make it to the finals, blown out of the water. <laughs> I need who to, do you uh, think wins the Big Twin? I, I want to go back and, and figure out first of all who we picked last year, and I should have done this before and, and seen how far off we were. Um, but for this year, uh, my Big Twelve winner, I'm going to go with Texas Tech. Um, they're returning all 11 starters on offense. Uh, they ranked 22nd in total offense last year. Uh, they need to make major improvements on defense. Uh, they have strong defensive line returners. Uh, they got a few transfers coming in. Uh, they get um, Tim DeRuder. He's going to be in his second year calling the plays on the defense. Um, I, As an Oregon fan, I am scared to travel to Lubbock in week two and play them. I think that, that is a huge game. And they, Texas Tech made a statement early in the season last year against Texas. They got that huge overtime win after coming back. Um, and I'll let you talk about Texas here in a minute, but um, I, I I just feel uh, Coach McGuire did amazing things with this program in year one. Uh, I'm expecting even you know, a, a ne- another step up here in year two, um, and then you know they could really position themselves to be the class of the Big Twelve with Texas and Oklahoma leaving. You know, like I said, the, the conference is going to need a team to step up and, and be their corner post. You know, they're they're week in, week out, you know, or year in, year out, I should say. This is a this is our strongest team. Like Oklahoma has been for so many years. West Texas, you know, they, they kind of fell off a little bit. Then Oklahoma took up the mantle. They made the playoffs and all that other stuff. You know, who's who is going to be that next team? It doesn't look like it's going to be TCU, but it might. You know, and so I, I feel like this season, 
and maybe this is even the storyline more so than the, the American teams joining or Texas and Oklahoma leaving. And it kind of piggies back, I guess, off of Texas and Oklahoma leaving is who's going to take out that mantle? Who's going to be the corner post of, of this conference? Is it Utah coming in next year or, you know, Colorado, a team like that? Or is it going to be a, a blue blood Big 12 school like Texas Tech uh, to, to kind of carry the, the, the banner for this conference? Um, but I'm just really excited about this team. And, and again, Coach McGuire, uh, and I think they're, they're poised to do big things this year especially watching them. I know Ole Miss had a bunch of guys sitting out. and <laughs> Watching the game, I don't think Ole Miss cared. Uh, but just watching them completely dismantle Ole Miss in that bowl game, uh, that's why I'm going with them. Yeah, definitely. Like you had said, a tough team that can come out of nowhere. Uh, Texas felt that last year. Uh, they just didn't come out in the second half. Texas Tech came back, you know. Uh, big win. Um, I don't think you have to look back at who I picked last year. I think it's very well. Uh, yeah, I know who you picked. I'm going you picked, with the same You picked North team. Texas. You, you picked – if it yeah. had Texas in the name, you picked That's North right. Texas. I was going to say, I'm sticking with the same state. This state is going to win the Big 12 this year. Texas. <laughs> uh, Sark. I'm not even calling him Sarkazy anymore. I'm going with Sark because he's that cool. Um, he said that basically every away game this year, he has told the team that going in, they're going to be the most hated people. It's not just because they're Texas. It's because they're abandoning the conference that has been home for so many years. Mm -hmm. You know, uh, I'd assume that Oklahoma is probably under the same understanding that they're going to catch a lot of that also. Um, I, I just think that if there's any other reason to hate some of these bigger teams that have a lot of money might not be that good. Texas hasn't been like great, you know, uh, the last couple of years, but there's so much money funneled into the school that there's a bit of jealousy there with other schools. You know, I, I think it just comes with the territory. Uh, but basically, he's got the team wearing Embrace the Hate t-shirts. Um, you know, it, that's their motto for the season. Uh, Arch Manning is sitting on the bench, and they just sold a player card for him for $103,000. It's an NIL deal. Um, they asked Coach Sark if he was the one that bought it, and – he boldface lied to the media and said he doesn't have that kind of money to be able to buy a card like that. Now, we understand you didn't buy it. His family probably bought the, the card and donated the money, you know, whatever, like, because they're not even allowing him to do NIL deals right now. But the fact that he said he doesn't have the money, I mean, come on. <laughs> yeah, no. Um, the reason, and it's not just because of the, 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 mm -hmm. the reason I went against Texas, uh, I, I just worry how much of an impact losing Bijan Robinson is going to be mm -hmm. on that team. Uh, he got them through a, a lot of difficult stretches last year. Quinn Ewers was, was very hot and cold, and he got injured a few times. But no matter what, they could look to Bijan Robinson, hand the ball off to him. And as, aside from the Texas Tech game where he essentially fumbled that game away, he, he's been the cornerstone of that team for the last two years at, at least. Um, I've, I've made my concerns known about Sark uh, in the past. I'm not you saying don't get he's bad. You don't get to call him that. You guys aren't close like that. <laughs> I've, I've made my, my concerns about Sarkeesian known in the past. I'm not saying he's a bad coach. Just don't think he's he's good enough to to get a team to that level. I, I think he's his his ability and and you know maybe with all these recruits and transfers coming in, maybe it's enough to get him over over that that hump. Maybe he's into a playoff spot or you know winning conference titles. Um, but as a coach himself. If if you gave him, and you know, a, a, a more, if you gave every coach in in Division One college football the same exact roster, and and how could you? I feel like you would finish middle of the pack. 
Um, you know, I, I really feel like, and I'm not even talking about recruiting. I'm talking about mm-hmm. just straight up coaching. Um, I feel like his plateau is is kind of that three loss season, nine and three. You know, ten and two. You know, if if they they catch four breaks, if they can stay healthy. Um, and so th- those are my reservations uh, about Texas as itself. I think it's good for college football when when Texas is is one of the best teams in the country. Uh, I you know they they bring a lot of natural like some people it, it's very divisive you know people hate it love them it's or hate very it. similar to Alabama when Absolutely. Alabama's running the ship yeah yeah um and you know we, we kind of saw that that passing of the torch mm-hmm. when when Alabama beat Texas in the national title and really kickstarted their dynasty and ever mm-hmm. since then you know Texas has, has struggled um but speaking of that those two teams play week two this year in Tuscaloosa. Yeah. <laughs> um, and that, that was kind of an, another reason is I last year, I feel like was, was so uplifting for Texas mm-hmm. to play Alabama at home, played them so well. They should have won that game. Going back and watching that game, the refs handed it to Alabama. And I, I will argue that. And I know if an Alabama fan watches this, they're going to argue with me that, that roughing the passer. And yeah, I think it was, I, I can't remember if it was targeting. Maybe it was roughing the passer with targeting. Or, and Bryce, yeah. That they, they called when it was a safety it was was game-changing, um, and that, that cost Texas the win, and Texas absolutely deserved to win that game. Um, but there's a lot of unknowns, and we're going to talk about Alabama here in two weeks. There's a lot of unknowns around that team. Um, but I, if Alabama can be Alabama, if they can play well, it's going to be difficult for Texas to go into Bryant Denny. That's going to be a night game. Um, I, I'm not saying they're going to get blown out, but it, it could be a disheartening loss after how close they were last season. They're um, seven point and, underdogs right now. Yeah, and which I, I think is generous for Texas. Yeah, I, I would agree. Um, but it, I mean, if if they end up losing by two or three scores, that does that put a damper on their season moving forward? Does it take them an, maybe a week or two to kind of regain their composure and i believe they have for lack of a better term uh, here's their schedule they play wyoming next week so correct you hope if they can make it out of alabama healthy if ever there was a season for them to do good them their three top teams for me personally looking at Mm -hmm. it is alabama week two then they get three weeks to kind of prepare for oklahoma at -hmm. home in the red river rivalry and then the last game of the season is against who you believe is going to be the biggest team or the best team in the Big Twelve is against Texas Tech at home. Don't don't don't, don't look. I, I I don't want to make it clear. I'm not trying I'm not, to look past. I'm saying no. those are the top the top teams. I, I I would put Kansas State in that conversation. I oh, I really sure. feel like with, with Kansas State is what they're returning. Adrian Martinez was was a good quarterback, but he was also injury prone. Um, I I think, and I I need to go find his name because I don't want to. But while you're looking for that, Will, Will Howard, Kansas State, yeah. there's still a two-week buffer between every right. big school. Now, you can't overlook all these teams. That's what Penn State does every year. They end up losing <laughs> to Illinois or whoever the, whoever the idea is. You know, you can't mm-hmm. overlook any team. But in terms of, like, those four, those four teams, mm-hmm. to be able to have a schedule where you're going to play three of the four teams at home right? and there's a two-week buffer in between all of those games is just crazy. Yeah, no, and, and I agree with you. If, if there's a year to do it, it's going to be this year. Um, but like I said, if, if say Alabama wins by three scores, it's 28 mm-hmm. to seven. It's going to be high scoring than that. Uh, but if it's 28 to seven, is, is that disheartening enough that even if they say they blow out Wyoming the next week, 
that they're doubting themselves, you know, playing Baylor and who again, mm-hmm. you know, it, it's going to be a very difficult, every game in the big 12 is going to be a fight this year. Um, yeah. And, sorry. I, uh, I'm just, I'm just saying kinda... like, is, is, is that enough? Is that Alabama game enough to kind of dampen them for a few weeks before they finally like, listen, we are a good football team and, and we know what we can do. Um, that's those those are my concerns about Texas and why I, I had enough reservations about them to be like, I feel like I'm going to give the edge of Texas. And that, that's why. Yeah, I, I think that the Bijan Robinson comment that you had said, I mean, he was their safety net last year. Mm-hmm. Quinn throws an interception, next drive, all we're doing is handing the ball off. You know, okay, now Quinn can throw the ball. Let's uh, let's let him throw the ball a couple of times while mixing in a couple of run plays with Bijan Robinson. Mm-hmm. Okay, he threw another pick. Okay, we're running the ball this next drive. You know, like that was their safety net. Um, I think that it's going to really rely on their defense, kind of like it did last year. The fact that it was, what, 20 to 20 against Alabama, who is just a powerhouse when it comes to offense. I mean, Alabama can be playing anyone, and they go in at halftime and they come out, and it's like they're playing a JV team all of a sudden. They've mm-hmm. somehow figured out every weakness that this team had in the first half that they weren't able to capitalize on. So I think, like you said, that being week two is going to be a big tell for how Texas performs the rest of the season, because I do see them going into a slump if they go out and get blown out by three, four scores. Yeah, absolutely. Um, well, that'll do it for our Big 12 season preview for this year. We thank you guys so much for joining us uh, and, and us being long-winded about uh, conference realignment and all that fun stuff. We are excited about it, though. Again, being an Oregon fan, talking football with a, with a Penn State fan, I am. I really hope. I, I, I texted texted you guys, I texted my brother-in-laws, and I texted my father-in-law. I really hope that first year they play either Nebraska, Penn State, or Michigan. And, and not because I, uh, you know, I mm-hmm. want to see how we are against it, just because I, I really want to either go to a game with, with one of you guys. Penn State whiteout would be dope, but, you know, I that would be the, you know, so cool, such a, an awesome first year you know, for, our, for us to get to go to a, a game together. You know, we, we thought the only time it would ever happen is, you know, the Rose Bowl or a playoff or something like that. And we were hoping for it last season. Yeah. Oregon ended up losing that game, and that's where we thought they were going to be together. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. So just very exciting. Uh, but there, there still is, you know, Pac 12 is, is leaving. It's, it's never fun when you have a, a historic conference like that leaving and, and all the things that come with it. Uh, we're still going to preview them in two weeks. You know, it's still a huge season for them. It's going to be a, be a quick episode. Or no, I'm sorry. It's next week. Next week we're previewing them. Uh, but yeah, so yeah, uh, it's it's gonna be a lot of fun though, uh, and I'm sure there's gonna be a ton of news that comes out between this week and, and next week, as it seems to be the trend here lately. Um, but again, thank you guys so much for checking us out. I think right now we're up to 16 views on our last video. I understand that's not a lot in the grand scheme of things, but to us that means so much. Uh, so thank you guys. Uh, we started making TikToks again, uh, so make sure you guys head over there to our TikTok and check us out. Our Twitter and Instagram as well. Um, we appreciate your guys' support. We'll see you next week for the Pac-12 preview. Sure.